Are you ready? This is Mark on the Mic on the A1 Sports Network. Bow to the masters. Break it down. How you doing, everybody, and welcome to the Moffat on the Mic radio show, courtesy of the A1 Sports Network. I am Craig Moffat, and of course, this show would not be complete without the people's producer, the head honcho, the showstopper, the thriller from Glen Cove. I'm talking about the founder of the A1 Sports Network, and that is Mr. Chris Cole. What's up, Craig? I'm oof, very happy to be here. Very, ah, oh, just ready to go. Just ready to go. Look at you all fired up, man, on a Tuesday nonetheless. You know, and especially, you know, like I thought, you know, Monday after the Christine interview, I was like, you know, the Christine interview really got me going on uh, – because my Monday was just terrible with work, and I was just so – I was just so like tired and everything. Because on Sunday we, I had to go to the fire academy to do uh, testing whatnot for the fire. That took me out the whole. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Mike, that, that took me out the whole day. Like we were, we had to go. We were there from eight to four o'clock in the afternoon, hot at, in in the blazing sun, more gear on and whatnot. And I was just like, oh, I was dead tired by the time I got home. And that took me out did yesterday. They do like the fire department games by you. Like, do they do that with the Glencoe Fire Volunteer they, Fire Department? They do it in Limbrook a lot. They do it with our battalion. Um, we're the fifth battalion, so it's us, uh, Glenwood, all the like the surrounding areas. And you know, like, like I didn't get to do it last year because I was like fairly new, so I was like, ah, I don't want to do anything like where like you know I'm, I was like, I think we did last year. I was like, they call they canceled all the parades and everything for us this year, so we we do not have. But we usually do do the game the game for them. Well, Christine was an amazing interview yesterday. We you know we love having her on. She was a a laugh riot, but you know she also gives us plenty of insight into the film industry and mm-hmm. you know just about you know behind the scenes stuff and of course just about her movie, which will be out you know coming soon, hopefully uh, maybe by the uh, by the fall. It's called Companion. Um, whoever did the makeup for her was killer as far as it was in pretty intense stuff i mean you know just the talent that you need to do stuff like that is just it's mind-blowing to me that's it's it, it's an art in itself you know like you can say what you want about like artists and you know all this other kind of stuff you said you do in art but this is literally a different kind of like art and it's like on someone's face and the fact that it goes into movies and stuff like that it's incredible it really yeah. is incredible and the one thing I love, I love about, you know, like you said, mentioning, like we, when we get to talk to Christine, it's different from what we usually do. Yeah, it's great to see with Ike, with and about the Mets with Tim Healy. But, you know, getting to talk to Christine, you know, get a woman's perspective in, in, from sports, getting an inside to the movie industry. And the good news, and like I said, you know, like she pretty much cleared up for us because we weren't sure. She was wearing pants. Yeah, wearing pants. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, fu- it's funny you mentioned that. She- funny thing is, I was not expecting her to do that, and that's why I love her even more for being a guest yesterday because I was not expecting that. But that's what makes her so awesome. Like I just think she's hilarious. You know, it's funny she mentioned that because you know when I I have to do Zoom stuff. Like I mentioned, like I think like a week ago, I started doing uh, the EMT Academy. So we can't do any classes in person. So we do everything online, and one and the times we have to do it are like nine o'clock in the morning. So. Yeah. so what I like I, I, you're in your like Hefner bathrobe, like you know, robe, like ready to ready to go. All right, fellas, I'm ready for fire training. 
So that's what it literally was this morning, like, like that last Saturday morning. Like I got up, I got to the computer, just no pants on, and I was just ready to go to class. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just like, and I, I'm texting my one friend who I ha- who I made in the class. I'm texting her. I'm just like. I'm afraid to like run up my stairs and like everyone just see my boxers and everything like that. Let's go make some coffee. Like, well, it was a pretty busy weekend overall. Um, from Friday to Sunday or Monday, um, there was a lot of news. Uh, we're going to get into we're going to get into the uh, latest news out of wrestling. Whereas Paul Heyman is no longer in charge of creative for Monday Night Raw, and uh, so what's that going to look like for the future? Because you know, once Vince starts taking over, the show starts to fall apart again. So we're going to talk about that. But um, I wanted to start with Jamal Adams mm-hmm. with um, for everybody who didn't know what was going on. Well, first of all, let's, let's get this out of the way. Uh, there are no mm-hmm. updates in baseball. They're still, they're still bullshit at this point. And Manfred's threatening to just move forward with a season, which in my opinion would be a colossal mistake because if you do that, then the players associated is going to be pissed. And I don't think you want the players' union on. You want to make sure it's a mutual agreement. You don't want to have the commissioner kind of throwing himself out there and saying, well, this is what we're doing, and if you don't like it, tough. That, that really shouldn't happen. And that's what it looks like it's headed right now because the players are not happy with the latest offer. I don't think the, major, I don't think the, the league has even given an offer, has updated their offer or anything. So we're still in this kind of holding pattern for baseball. And at this point, people are just going to stop caring. Because once basketball comes back, once hockey comes back, I really think people are going to stop caring about, about whether baseball comes back or not for this year. Next year, they'll show up to the games. I'll show up to the games. I know that. The diehard fans like me, you, and the like, people who just love baseball will show up. But the casual fans who go every once in a while, who are like, yeah, let's go Red Sox, whatever it is. They, I mean, there's a lot of talk. I mean, even not even talking about Major League Baseball for the Atlantic League, like the Ducks, they're looking to have a season by July. It's, it's, from, what, from what I've read. And the thing is, they're going to have it at 25%. They're not going to have empty stadiums. They're going to have people in the stands, but it's going to be social distancing and it's going to be 25% probably. Yeah. And, get, and if that's the case, I'm buying season tickets because <laughs> I want to I go. I want baseball. Like, I, I, I love Ducks games, but that, I mean, we, we can go on about Ducks games. I haven't been to one in years, but to go back off of, you know, the, with baseball, if, if they don't, if baseball was already losing fans as it was, they were already losing fans, not having a season in 2020, it'll be detrimental to the game. It will not help their cause at all. Yeah. It'll, it'll it'll kill it. It will really kill it because, like you said, yeah, you'll get the diehards coming back to watch baseball games and coming back, but then you'll have people like, just who love baseball, but they're like, you know, what? I don't want to go and potentially get sick now or st- or stuff like that, or they don't want to just because. Watch your mic, dude. Your mic's going in and out again. Jesus, I hate this computer so much. <laughs> All right, so getting into the whole Jamal Adams discussion, um, not sure if what you people have heard from over the weekend, but apparently the thought of Miles Garrett and the Browns agreeing on talking about a new deal set Jamal Adams off on Instagram Mm -hmm. because now they haven't agreed to anything yet, you know, but they are talking about a a huge contract extension for Miles Garrett. They were both drafted in the same year. Of course, Miles Garrett was drafted number one overall. Jamal Adams went sixth, I think in that draft in 2017. Mm -hmm. 
So Jamal Adams kind of responded to my, to the to the report and basically said, you know, I haven't got my first offer, all talk and no action or something like that. See, this is what I was worried about with Jamal Adams because I don't fault the Jets here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault the Jets on this one. I'm gonna fault Jamal Adams because you are taking a private matter and making it public. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what me first athletes do all the time, and it's got to stop. Okay. They never said they weren't going to negotiate with you. They've never come out publicly and said, we don't want Jamal Adams back. We don't want this. But at the same time, you don't have any leverage. And we've already been over this. No, he has no leverage to negotiate. If he wants to hold out, he can hold out. It's, I don't think it does anything for him. Mm-hmm. And listen, we've all, we all know that he is a vital part to the defense. So there, there's no disputing that either. But at this point, to start making it public again is really just going to cause problems. And, and the thing is, I start to ask myself, does Jamal Adams want to be on the Jets? And I, I have to know that. I have to know if he really wants to be part of this team or if he's going to just start this bullshit for the sole purpose of getting traded to whatever team he wants to be traded to. Right. I kind of see it from both sides on this one because – yeah, I do agree. He has Jamal Adams does have a big mouth, and Joe Douglas isn't going to play the game. Joe Douglas. But on the other hand, when you have news about Miles Garrett coming out that he's going to get this big contract, when in my opinion, I think Jamal Adams has played better than what Miles Garrett has been playing on the Browns. I would be I would be a little pissed too that this guy who I've been play who I've been playing better than is going to get a deal. But I can't, I can't, I can't get one, you know. So I kind of, I kind of see it from both sides, though. But, but I, I also think it's a tale of two positions. Miles Garrett is a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. I think a pass rusher is going to be more valuable to a team than a safety. Right. You no, know, if you're playing Miles Adams as like that Mark Barron type player, he was a safety, but then he was became more of a pass rushing outside linebacker type of player. Then I can understand it. The thing is, is that right now. Because none of the 2017 guys have even signed. Mahomes hasn't even signed a deal. Yeah. Okay. And the thing about Mahomes is he's not even making this public. He knows the Chiefs are going to pay him. Yeah. He knows the Chiefs aren't going to let him go. You know why? He's a quarterback. And a quarterback who just won you a Super Bowl, you're not getting rid of. Right now, Mahomes could ask for the moon and the stars and he'll probably get it. Mm-hmm. In the case of Jamal Adams, my problem is, is that there's already been discussions the Jets are tabling it. Probably they want to wait till next year because right now we don't even know if we have a season. Yeah. We don't even know. And the thing is, I don't think the Jets want to commit that kind of money right now this early. I really don't think they do. But at the same time, I don't think they're saying we don't want Jamal Adams here. Mm-hmm. I think what they're saying is, well, listen, and this is exactly what Joe Douglas does. McCagnan would probably be running right now to try to get a deal done, just like he did when Mo Wilkerson was starting, you know, was kind of causing drama. And the Mo Wilkerson, listen, I, I didn't have a problem with the Mo Wilkerson deal at the time. He deserved but, it. I thought he deserved every ounce of that yeah, contract. But he just didn't perform up to the contract. And then in hindsight, everybody was saying how they should have given the money to Damon Harrison. So it's things like that right now where McCagnan kind of was bidding against himself. Douglas is not going to go down that road because right now he's not going to be told by a player when it's time to negotiate a deal. He's going to negotiate when he feels he's ready. 
Yeah, which I love about Douglas. Faith. I have to put my faith in Douglas here. I can't. And the thing is, this is the, not the first time Jamal Adams has made this public. Making it worse is he does come off as a I'm good, they're bad type of guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he really, he's not that guy. And, and the thing is, again, I said this before, and I think I said this when I was on the, the Let's Talk Jets podcast, don't mistake passion for sensitivity. Right. Because reporters are very, and fans too, which I think is a huge mistake, fans are automatically willing to give him a pass for his behavior because we need Jamal Adams. And I don't care what he's, how his behavior is. We have to have Jamal Adams on this team. But if you're trying to change the culture of a team and you're trying to make it more about the team than one player, but then who's to say you give, you give Adams a contract this year, then Darnold's going to want a contract. Then Darnold might threaten to hold out. Then you have another problem. I mean, listen, call me crazy, but Darnold is a priority over Jamal Adams. Sam Darnold is going to be the priority when it comes over Jamal Adams. Douglas is going to say what he says. I just wish Jamal Adams would stop making this public. Mm. He's coming off as a prima donna. He's coming off as a me-first player. He's coming off as a guy who doesn't give a crap about the team. Right. He's coming off as a guy who just wants to get paid. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, Miles Garrett and the Browns have not agreed to any type of an extension yet. None of the class of 2017 have agreed to new extensions. In fact, what we did on our show that day, three quarters of them have had their fifth-year options declined. Not exactly a telling tale for the draft class. Yeah. But these are the types of things we just don't need right now. We don't need Jamal Adams in June whining and complaining about a contract talk about it privately don't have your agent put it out there because that could have been another thing his agent could have probably told him well you know if you're pissed put it out there that you're pissed send a message those types of things can backfire and at this stage right now we don't even know if he's going to get the money he wants right if you trade him to another team how do we know that team is going to pay him yeah how do we know that team's going to give him big money we don't know I think to put it out there is just, it's a typical stupid move by him. And now you're causing more drama than it needs to be. And it's like, you know, well, you know, the Jets have to do this. The Jets have to do this. No, they don't. In fact, I'm more inclined to see what I could get for him on the trade market right now. Now, right after the draft, no, I don't trade him. Yeah. Before next year's draft, like March or April, yeah, I'll take some calls. I'll see what I can get from if I can't close out a deal for him. But you can rest assured that if you want Jamal Adams, you're giving me more than a first-round pick for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I'm, I'm going to make sure I clean, I clean your clock if I'm going to get rid of a Pro Bowl player like Jamal Adams. Exactly. And, you know, it's going to be our team's willing to give up their house to get, get a player like Jamal Adams. And I think, like you mentioned, you know, the safety position, it's kind of you know, expensive. You get a couple of good safeties every now and again who defy the position, you know, like an Ed Reed, a Brian Dawkins, Cam Chancellor. Personally, I think Jamal Adams is on that level of like Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas. That's why I want to get him signed like now. But I do like the way Joe Douglas is going about this, though. He's not going to have his arm pulled and be like, hey, when, when Jamal Adams is like, hey, give me a contract. He's like, okay, no, he's not going to play that. And I love that about Joe Douglas. Here's why I agree with you, though. You can see it from both sides. 
Mm-hmm. And maybe it would behoove the Jets to get a deal done now. Yeah. Because if he puts together another Pro Bowl year, you're going to be paying a lot more next year than what you paid this year. Yeah. It was almost like with Jacob DeGrom. Brody got that deal done. And think about it if Brody had waited another year. Yeah. Back-to-back Cy Youngs, you're paying him Steven Strasburg money. Absolutely. You might even be paying him closer to Garrett Cole money. That's how that's – how, so at the end of the day, DeGrom took a deal that was well below market value for him because they just got, in, they got out in front of it and they just got it done. Yeah, can you, like, like, and like you just said, imagine if they waited one more year and Zach, say Zach Wheeler signs the contract he signs, DeGrom's going to get double that. He's going to get double that, at exactly. least. Exactly, exactly. And Zach, right now, Zach Wheeler's getting paid more than Jacob DeGrom. And the thing is, is that right now, like right now, I think the highest paid safety in the league is Eddie Jackson from the Bears. I think if I remember right, I'm sure you can come to a compromise to get Jamal Adams paid. Yeah. Now, look, maybe they need to cut some guys. Maybe they, maybe they need to get some more money under the cap. They're about 20-something million under the cap right now. They're not really – it doesn't look like they're going after any more free agents. They might try to, like, try to bring in Logan Ryan if his price comes down. Clowney not looking like a possibility. Warford not looking like a possibility. However, this has got to be your next priority. You got to start talking to them now instead of, because this is only going to get worse. But I hate when guys make this public. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of it. It puts the team in a bad spot, the organization in a bad spot, and it makes the player look like they're really suffering for, you know, suffering in silence until now. Right. So it's like, the minute Jamal Adams comes out, right away we look at the Jets and like, oh, they're a cheap organization and they don't want to pay these guys or whatever. It's like what we say about the Mets all the time. The Mets don't want to pay people. The Mets don't want to pay people. Yet Mets fans weren't bitching when they gave DeGrom a below-market deal and he took it. Yeah. These things have a way of working themselves out. At the end of the day, I don't see a scenario where Jamal Adams is gone because if you trade Jamal Adams too soon, Jet fans are going to flip out. And, and this is not the year to do it because this could be a year where the Jets lose a lot of money revenue-wise. Yeah. Depending on whether they're allowed to have fans in the seats, whether they're not allowed to have fans in the seats. I think I, I'll – again, and then this goes back to, you know, how good Jamal Adams is. I, I don't think he's there yet, but I can see him being one of the top safeties – the top safety in the league, the way he keeps going. And, if, sure. if, and he could be one of the best defensive guys in the league. Now, I'm looking I at the contract. Totally, I couldn't agree with you more. I think yeah. it's – and the thing is, you've already kind of committed – in a way, you've inadvertently committed to Jamal because you're not, you're not even focusing on Marcus May. Yeah. And Marcus May is an unrestricted free agent after this year. That's why you drafted Ashton Davis. Yeah. Now, Douglas could very well pivot, give May the contract, slide Ashton Davis into Jamal Adams' role next year, and then trade Jamal Adams. Mm-hmm. Highly probable. But at the end of the day, if you know this is your next priority and you've already on record as saying – that you want Jamal Adams a jet for life, you got to get a deal done. Yeah, you got to get a deal. It's only going to get worse. And like I said, I don't love – I hate the fact that Jamal Adams is making this public and he's whining and crying like a big baby about it. But I just think you're getting impatient when you know that you're going to probably get a deal done at the end of the day. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at, you know, like you said, the highest paid safety in the league is Eddie Jackson at $14.6 million. I think the Jets could easily pay him $15 million. Five years, $75 million, and they can give him a certain amount of whatever. Or whatever. But, yeah, but I think, you know, I think the Jets do have to get this done sooner or later because, God forbid, say 
uh, like I mentioned, you know, I think Jamal Adams has had a better career so far, three years into the league than Miles Garrett. Garrett gets, you know, a certain amount of money. Jamal Jackson's like, well, I'm way better than him, and I, I know it's two different positions. But, but think about it, dude. Miles Garrett almost killed a player last year with Mason Rudolph. Yeah. Flung a helmet at the guy's head and hit him. He almost, he almost killed the guy. Yeah. And the thing is, he's going to get a – and the thing is, he's a dirty player. He's a very dirty player. But at the same time, he is a pass rusher that is a primary need for a lot of teams, and those guys are going to get paid before a safety. Before a safety. Right. And I don't think Joe Douglas is going to be pushed around, but that being said, if Joe Douglas has already come out and said he wants the Jamal Adams a jet for life, you got to get a deal done. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you become that guy that's not a man of his word, and then fans don't stop trusting you when it comes to making moves and what you think is right for the team. Yeah, and especially of – you know, Jet fans, they're loyal fans. And if you lose a guy like Jamal Adams, who we all love, it's not a good look on Joe Douglas. I agree. All right, segue to our other topic of the day. This happened over the weekend, um, especially right before Backlash. Um, Vince McMahon made some changes, and apparently Paul Heyman is no longer in charge of creative of Monday Night Raw. And uh, he's actually given the job to Bruce Pritchard, who is also in charge of SmackDown. Now, the a lot of take from this was is that Bruce Pritchard is a Vince guy. He's kind of a me for he's a me guy. So he is going to be he's a yes man, basically. And he's going to just okay what Vince wants to do. Very nervous. Mm-hmm. Because pushes that they were already in the process of dealing with could be pulled out from under them. Right. One guy in particular that Heyman was really big on was Apollo Crews. And Apollo Crews was a United States champion, and a lot of people thought he was going to drop the belt to Andrade yesterday, but he wound up winning in backlash. Um, Austin Theory was another guy. Heyman was really high on Austin Theory and put him with Zelina Vega's group for a while. Now he's with Seth Rollins' group. That was another guy that, you know, might be a little nervous now about his standing in the organization. And from what I was reading on a few levels, the only guys who are right now safe in their, in their move, in their standing, where they are, are Drew McIntyre mm-hmm. and the Street Profits. Other than that, a lot of people could be demoted to like a jobber, low-card low type of guy, or if they have a title, they could wind up losing it very soon. Now that Charlotte Flair dropped the belt, at NXT in your house. She's on the Raw brand. There's a lot of talk that Charlotte Flair may get another big push as a Raw champion, which I think would be a disgrace, but that's whatever. But I don't like that. Now, there's a lot of stories going on. One of them is that the ratings have been really bad for Raw. USA Network is apparently not happy with the decision they got rid of Heyman. Mm-hmm. On top of that, the re- Fox is not happy about the ratings on SmackDown. The ratings have plummeted on Friday Night SmackDown, just like they plummeted on Raw. In WWE's defense, you're playing, you're dealing with something you're you're not really accustomed to dealing with. And that is, you're not in an arena, you don't have fans, you are trying to save the big changes, the big swerves, and the big, uh, you know, heel turns for the audience. Mm -hmm. There's only so much you can do at that point, though. Yeah. You have to start telling the story that you want to tell because people are not going to watch anymore. And the thing is, you've wasted a month, at least, of this whole Street Profits, Viking Raiders 
I can do this better than you angle. And like, it was kind of funny, but for the amount of time you spent on it, it wasn't worth it. Yeah, absolutely not. So a lot of people are afraid that it's going to resort back to like with Vince running the show and he's going to just, it's going to be, Raw is going to take a mega hit because of it. And you hope that that's not the case. And the thing is, like, a lot of people said that Heyman wasn't really a guy for this, like, type of thing. Like, he wasn't really long for creative position at Raw. And the thing is, is that Heyman was actually was pretty decent for the most part. The Seth Rollins gimmick I was a big fan of, the, the, the heel turn. Like, I love, at first I hated the name Monday Night Messiah, but now I love it. I think it's great. You know, I love the fact that it gives guys like Murphy and Austin Theory a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fact of, you know, even Zelina Vega's crew, which is like one of my favorites. I'm a big Zelina Vega fan. I always liked her as a heel manager and everything with Angel Garza and Andrade. I thought that was really awesome. You know, part of me thought maybe the cherry on top to that would be Umberto Carrillo joining that faction as like a heel, but I don't know if he could pull it off. Mm. I'm not sure if he's good enough to pull it off, but who knows what's going to happen now. Yeah. And you know, and it's going to be, is it going to be that same rinse and repeat type notion where, okay, we got to throw Seth Rollins right into the title picture. We got to throw Charlotte Flair right into the title picture. And we got to pray that Brock Lesnar comes back soon because we really need Brock, Brock Lesnar back. You know, and then that could be what it is. They could try to figure out a way to put Le- the belt on Lesnar again. Like, I don't, have a, I don't have a problem with, you know, Seth Rollins being in the title picture or Charlotte being in the title picture. But, you know, at least in between their those title shots give someone else an opportunity give Owens a bone throw Nikki Cross a bone whoever it is Ruby Riot anyone else like yeah I get you want you want to get Seth. I get that Seth and Charlotte are the two best in the men's and women division maybe not maybe Seth too but Charlotte's easily number one and Seth is two I get you want to but there's other talent on this on these rosters where you can be like okay you know what Nikki, you're doing a great job. We'll give you a title shot against Oscar. Kevin Owens, <laughs> we'll give you a title shot for the for the title. You know, just throw some other guys in there. You don't need to have Seth and like it needs to be no Seth. Or you want Kevin Owens? You know what? We're gonna give you a title match. It, it made absolutely no sense to what why that. It's one of the craziest things I saw on Twitter, and it made total sense. So Wednesday, as you know, Bailey and Banks are defending the titles against uh, Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox. Yeah. NXT. But then someone had put something up on Twitter asking if a better tag team would be Shotzi Blackheart and Ruby Riot. And I was like, yes, sign me up. I love Tegan Knox, by the way. Tegan Knox is great. And Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart will make a very good tag team. But just for the whole, the look, the character. Yeah. Shotzi Blackheart and Ruby Riot would be fantastic as a tag team together. Oh, I think, yeah, you just mentioned it. I mean, I'm not big on Shotzi Blackheart. I love her. I like her entrance. I love the tank. Awesome. The tank is fantastic. The, I mean, the, the, the entrance is good. I'm not, I'm not too sold on her yet, but I would definitely be in for Ruby Riot, Shotzi Blackheart tag team. So we'll see how it plays out with Raw tonight being the night after Backlash. I already got a text from Keith saying that tonight they're already going to have the rematch between Nia Jax and Asuka. Why? Why? Did you notice that, like, that match? Did you see the match? Yes. Did you see how it looked like they had Nia Jax was completely clueless of how much time was left on the on the countout? Yep. And they ended it on a double countout with no interference and no. I mean that was that was really bad booking. I I don't think yeah I don't think that's how it was supposed to end. I thought it was it probably was supposed to end with 
Asuka just with a regular count out, but because they probably messed it up so bad, the both of them, well, probably due, probably due to Naya, um, that it was a double count out. I mean, for me, like the the overall pay per view was about a C, maybe like a C minus, just because I didn't. None of the matches were interesting to me. I've yet to see the Edge Orton match, but the rest of the matches on the card just were not interesting. And like, again, when you give the titles to Bailey and Banks, to me, that's just like a cop-out. It means you have no faith in, you know, if that's the case, you know what would have been a cool little wrinkle to that whole thing? If Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart would have showed up at, at the pay-per-view. Yeah. And just like sat on the, uh, the entryway, just watching the match. That's yeah. it. And then maybe they get into a little brawl with Bailey and Sasha afterwards. That would have been cool. Like that would have been a great way to end it. Like it, uh, make, it makes no sense. Like I, uh, they, the the WWE just just does not have to run a tag tag division. I don't know why we thought this women's tag would be so good when they can't even run a men's tag division. Like, yeah. I, like you get and again, you're just doing, but it's like it's so like. And the thing is, the problem was they got such credit for doing the boneyard match, which was fantastic, and the money in the bank match, which I really enjoyed. That they really jumped the shark with the whole Viking Raider, Street Profits thing. Terrible. I just thought it was really bad because. It was something that was thrown together at the very last minute, and you made it into this really corny theatrical match with ninjas and <clears throat> and like the, the the turkey leg and all that stuff. It was just to me, it was just like really stupid. It didn't really it's make it. Stupid, yeah, it was. You're gonna bad. see more crap like this coming out of Vince because he's the minute things start getting bad, he immediately takes over, and when he takes over, it's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, it's not. It really isn't. And you know, going back to you know the tag team titles, the women's tag titles, like. If you want some certain tag teams, all right, I get it. But if you're going to break them up, put them into the title picture. If you, you break up Mandy and Sonya. Sonya should be, right now, Sonya should be going for the title. I yeah. think she's that good of a heel. Yes. And the thing is, she is long overdue for a push. Yes. Long. Overdue. I've been saying this once they were together. When you keep bringing Charlotte Flair back into the title mix, it takes away from people like Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, like, you built up Liv Morgan, and then you just wound up flaking out on her already. Yeah, like, we got this whole, like, storyline of her coming back as a new person. All right, I'm hyped for Liv Morgan to come back. We saw her, what, like, You've done absolutely nothing with you ever since. See, I wish the Pisanos were on, man, because we would probably have – we'd be – Oh, my God. Hours and hours and hours. You, we, 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 we would need, like, a 24-show cycle just to, yeah. just to talk about how bad it, it's been. It's like I want to go to contract with those guys just to have them on the show every week just to talk nothing but wrestling. <laughs> All right, so listen, we got about five or six minutes. Um, what do you want to – you got anything you want to part with before we get out of here? Um, I'm trying to think, trying to think, trying to think. Um, do I have anything to part with? I, just that, you know, like I mentioned, you, like you keep mentioning, I'll mention WWE again, you know. It's, it's, it's funny that you watch WWE do all this stuff, and then you watch AEW do almost the same exact thing. And, and they do it better. And they do it better. It's, I mean, maybe not better than NXT because the NXT has a down pat. But you know, if you're really comparing the main shows of SmackDown to AEW Dynamite, yeah, Dynamite's got the the hand over Raw and Raw and SmackDown easily. And it's crazy that they're doing, you know, they got they have no fans with the other wrestlers in the stands, but they have the same. They're doing the same exact thing, and AEW is crushing it. Um, side note for me. Um... Christian Hackenberg over the weekend is uh, talking about possibly becoming a professional baseball player. Oh, my God. Um, okay, listen. Here's what I'm going to say to that. 
I feel bad for Christian Hackenberg in many ways because I think he literally came into this into the NFL under ridiculous expectations. That was the Jets' fault. That wasn't his fault. Mm-hmm. The Jets drafted him as a number as a second round pick when everyone knew he wasn't a second round pick, and I'm sure he even knew he wasn't a second round pick. Um, no one doubts that he had the tools to have. He has an arm. Whether that translates into baseball, I don't know. Here's the one thing I'm going to say. This is the same thing I said about guys like Tebow. If Christian Hackenberg is very serious about a professional baseball career, the first league that offers him a contract, he should take it. Mm -hmm. Because that's the only way you're going to get better. If you're not going to take, if you like, for example, if the Mexican league or league in China or Korea or whatever it is offers you a deal, you take it. Yep. Go there. And you learn from professionals because they're all professionals in those leagues. We may have never heard of those players, but over there, they could be gods mm-hmm. to the fan base in Mexico, to the fan base in China, to the fan base in Australia, to wherever it is. There's tons of professional baseball leagues around the globe. If you're really serious about honing this craft and becoming a professional pitcher, don't expect to sit there and say, oh, you know, the Royals, uh, I could go to the Royals. I could go to the Marlins because they suck and everybody, you know, they could use a guy like me. <laughs> you have never pitched an inning of your life. You have, anybody knows, everybody knows how to hit a 95-mile-per-hour fastball, whether in single A to Major League Baseball. So, listen, I don't begrudge him that. If you think you can make it as a professional baseball player, be my guest. Give it a shot. The first, if there's a league that wants you and says, oh, we, you know, we think we, you, know, you might be a good asset to the team, hold an audition. Have your agent call all these leagues, see if they'll send a representative. I mean, hell, Matt Harvey is reaching out to the Korean baseball organization about going there. Mm-hmm. So good for him because he's, he's not waiting around for Major League Baseball. He wants to get back to pitching. Do it. Yeah. So when all is said and done, my thing is, is that it's ridiculous to say the least. Of course, somebody had to do a Mets joke like, oh, of course the Mets will sign him, as only they can, you know, because that's what it's too easy to pick on the Mets. But at the end of the day, if Christian Hackenberg really, really wants to be a baseball player, a professional baseball player, you can show me the videos all you want of you pitching off of a mound, but it means nothing to me unless you start pitching in front of live bats and real competition. Yeah. And that's going to do it for the Moffat on the Mic show for today. Uh, Clint, thank you for holding it down like you normally do. You can follow the show as always on Instagram at Moff on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and my Facebook page as well. You can also follow Clem on the A1 Sports Network on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, we'll have our interview with Christine Wen up pretty soon. Uh, again, she was awesome and, you know, so awesome. that We actually have a pretty good, you know, kind of friendship with her where she'll come on the show for a couple times. And um, we really appreciate it. And uh, we'll have plenty more interviews coming up soon with other guests. We're working on some things and uh, we hope you just keep sticking with us and following the show on all the social media platforms and follow the A1 Sports Network on all the social media platforms. On behalf of the People's Producer, Chris Klim, um, please do me a favor, mm-hmm. get that mic fixed. Yeah, I'm working on it. I got to get this screwdriver from my other laptop. Get the so. budget together, sir. <laughs> <laughs> on behalf of the People's Producer, Chris Klim, I am Craig Moffat. This has been the Moffat on the Mic Show, wherever you are, stay safe. And um, everybody, enjoy the rest of your evening. And uh, we'll be back very soon with an all-new episode. Have a great one, everybody. And we will talk again very soon.